Petri dish, John Brown. I'm here with Brandon Petri as always. How you doing, Brandon? Pleasure to be here, buddy. How are you doing? Not too bad. Got a guest with us today, Mr. Vaughn Wesley. How you doing, Vaughn? I'm doing good. What about yourself, John? Pretty decent. What about you, Brandon? Can't forget about you. Yeah, kicking ass and taking names, buddy. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I think Vaughn, you're uh, probably the most well liked comedian in Cleveland by the other comics. Yeah, GW did say that. So I'm a hero <laughs> until like other comics. <laughs> yeah, you're just a you're a nice guy. You're funny. Uh, you never trash on anybody. I think you're. Yeah. <laughs> um, except for except for tr- certain people, but I do that in the privacy with other comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, you were at Funny Stop last night. It was a pretty interesting night. Yeah, I got to talk to Bill Squire for a little bit. Yeah, it was cool. Did uh, you stay for the whole second show? Um, not really, because, you know, like, I pretty much heard the other stuff before, so it was, you know, very boring, so it's like, eh, I might as well get going. Everybody else is leaving. Yeah, I stuck around for the guest sets for the second show, and that was about it. Uh, Brian Gallagher, one of our buddies, had a pretty good oh, yeah. pretty good guest set last night. Then there's another yeah, he had guy. a pretty good performance. Yeah. Yeah, there's another guy I've uh, I never heard of before, but he must be an older veteran comic. Yeah, uh, seems like Bill Squire pretty much knew him. Yeah, first time I've heard of him. Yeah, he was pretty funny though. He was, yeah. he was a funny guy. But yeah, yeah, John John and Bill were both really funny last night. Um, oh yeah, it was kind of. Bill Squire is always uh, he's always shocked me with how down to earth he is. I mean, even as like a new guy when I first met him, I mean, he was really supportive of all like the newer com- uh, comedians coming up and everything like that. Yeah. For somebody I would expect oh, yeah. to kind of have an ego, he really didn't seem to. Yeah, he's a cool guy, man. Then one time we were all at Garage Bar, he like bought a case of beer and walked around, handed it out to everybody. Oh, you know, and, nice. And, uh, uh, but last night was funny because the crowd was like, it was a really light crowd, um, mm, yeah. which is odd because Bill usually like sells out Funny Stop pretty much. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, it was a pretty light crowd, and uh, there were there was like probably. I don't know, five couples there and then like yeah. 10 comedians. <laughs> and uh, the couples were like, like three of them were towards the back of the room. And mm. then there was one on each side of the stage. So the middle was just completely empty. And I, yeah, and it's got to be so awkward to cater to. <laughs> yeah. And so, so uh, Bill Stone hosted and then Brett Thomas went up and then, uh, and then John Bruton featured, and then uh, Bill Squire walks up on stage, and he's like, this is not going to work. He's like, uh, I'm calling rank here. He's like, all of you comics in the back, get your asses up here right now. <laughs> and, like, and, you know, all the comics just got up and moved to the front. And I mean, it was a good time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. Uh, he uh, told some, you know, he does some darker jokes. Yeah. And he uh, warned, warned the uh, rest of the crowd, the paying customers, he was like, he was like, you, you guys might not like these next couple. These are, these are for the comedians. They're here to see me, <laughs> and they like the darker shit. So yeah, but yeah, it was fun, and it was good to see Brian get a guest set. That was his first guest set, and he was real nervous about it, and he did a pretty good job. 
So Yeah, he did fantastic. Yeah. And then, you know, the first show, he only gave out one guest set. So it yeah. kind of sucks. So I'll probably go back up tonight because I need some stage time. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, it's the uh, how the grindstone go last night, Brandon? Honestly, it was it was a blast. I mean, the crowd was pretty packed. I mean, in the beginning, I was a little concerned because nobody wanted to sit to the stage left for some reason. Everyone was just all crowded on the stage right. So I thought it was going to be a little awkward until the rest of the comics showed up. I made them all sit in the area that nobody else seemed to want to. Yeah. Everyone any, killed it, though, man. Any uh, any train hecklers last night? It, it landed on I Am Chad this time. He had a train come <laughs> through. He heard in the distance, and he goes, well, I got to get out of here, guys. That's my ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. This real old couple was sitting up front, and uh, I was messing with them in the beginning, and I was asking people to heckle me, and I was telling them what to say. And I came to that table, and I was like, all right, when I get to this part of the joke, I need you two to just give me the finger. <laughs> and uh, everyone got a huge kick out of this old guy giving me the finger, and none more than him. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So I kept asking him to do it the whole show. It was... <laughs> a blast that's pretty good yeah Wait. i, I kind of took a week off of comedy this week i i did i did a bunch of shows last week and over the weekend and so i hosted last weekend and i just kind of took a week off this week but i gotta get back on stage before the the uh co-feature contest again next week so oh, i forgot that was coming up yeah, yeah it's gonna be coming up for a long time because uh <laughs> pete decided pete decided that uh we're gonna eliminate one person again from from this next round in each in each show so yeah yeah so it's gonna be so right now we have nine people left at the end of this round we'll have six people left mm. and then uh he's gonna take it down to four and then i'll take it down to two and mm. so the last night will be two Jesus, man. yeah yeah i mean it's kind of it kind of sucks that it's like taking so long because it's something I, I was anticipating for a long time yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's just more stage time. So, mm, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it takes some of the cutthroat aspect of the competition away. You know what I mean? Like you, you're like, I have to be not the worst. That's, that's yeah. And, and that's, the sh- <laughs> and that's the shitty part is when you are the worst, it's like, it's yeah. got to suck, man. It's going to be exponentially worse for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when we had the night with uh when we had the round where we had four people and three people moved on, like it had to feel so shitty to be that third person, that fourth person. Yeah. Uh, Dude. But yeah, uh yeah. you got any shows coming up this week, Vaughn? Anything you're excited about? I'll just be doing the matinee next week. Uh, that's about it. So I've been doing mostly just funny stuff at matinee back to back. Those are only like really my two main ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other shows I've done, uh, last like non-show of those two I've done was LVT's last week, and that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I need to get out there sometime, man. That's like, I never go out to Lakewood. I've been to Taco Tonto. I was at Taco Tonto's once, and that was my only Lakewood <laughs> stint. My, um, my other Lakewood experience uh, was at Comedy Cabin. That's the first time I actually saw uh, Bill Squire in person was yeah. there. And uh, that was a pretty dry night as well. It was like Brett Thomas even like struggled to get into the crowd to laugh. Yeah, I loved Comedy Cabin. Really, I never. I was supposed to do that. That uh, I was supposed to do both of Bill's rooms and in, uh, in late March and early April, I believe. So that mm. didn't oh, happen. Shut it all down. Obviously, yeah. Um, on the 
on the day in which pretty much everything was like shutting down uh, that week I was supposed to do a comedy cabin that day this day and I like because my mom's like oh everything's shutting down I don't think uh, it's probably canceled and I decide just to you know message the Facebook uh, thing for comedy cabin and they're like oh we we're not doing it uh, right now because of what's happening and so forth and I like, oh, we posted on uh, the website and so on so it's yeah. like oh yeah. that's shitty <laughs> yeah yeah, all the canceled shows, all the canceled shows at the beginning of COVID really sucked. I mean, that was oh yeah, that was awful. But uh, how, when did you uh, start doing comedy, Vaughn? Um, it was 2017, February 21st, which is my birthday. Okay, you started on your birthday? Yeah, it was my uh, <laughs> it was my it was on my uh, 19th birthday. I was a senior in high school. And uh, there was, um, we had a talent show that was happening for the spring. And for years, I've been wanting to do the talent show and, and so on. So I was like, uh, I have enough clean jokes to do this. So let's do it. So I ended up doing the talent show that, they, well, trying out to do it because you had to try out in order to get into it. And <laughs> um, I tried out and pretty much all my jokes got laughed except for one. And uh, that got me into the talent show. And then if you go through my YouTube um, page, I do have a video performance of like the actual like talent show performance, which is my second performance. And it's kind of <laughs> cringy to go back sometimes though. Yeah. watch your first performance. So I think it's kind of like a, like a blessing and a curse in some kind of ways. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The last uh, video I posted of um, my stamp comedy is like the best video I have on there. Um, the other ones like, there's other videos in which there's jokes in there I wouldn't really do now. And I mean, there are some jokes that are funny and some others are not like, really funny. I I try to toe down the weirdness because like early on, it was like much more weirder, my jokes, and a little bit more darker. And I was like, eh, let's just tone this down a little bit and just think this throughout. Yeah, I uh, actually, you know, I did actually find, I did actually find my first video because I posted them on Facebook for my anniversary, comedy anniversary or whatever. Uh, oh, that's awesome. And now that I think about it, and I did, uh, I don't do any of those jokes anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't think I did them after like the first two weeks, probably. But uh, yeah. I did uh, look down at the stage the entire time. Oh, I didn't man. look out. I didn't look out into the audience at all. Um, you, you head birthed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, the, it was the funny stop, right? Yes. It was. I uh, feel like, I feel like you can't 3rd. even see the crowd, though. Yeah. True. 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 Yeah. Um. I. I wish they still. I used to like the the lights that they use that funny stuff that they don't use anymore. Instead of instead Remember, of flashing would, somebody the phone light. Oh they used yeah. To have the like, actual they light. Would, they would flash the overhead light. It was so much clearer that you know you had a minute left. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean. I mean. Now you have to. I mean. Now it's okay. You just have to be looking for the person. It's it's more yeah. of a hassle to be the person doing the light than it is being on stage and because there's so many people oh, that just yeah. don't look for the light it's like dude come on let's go <laughs> get off the fucking stage no yeah uh, and then pete will come out and yell at him <laughs> i think that place used to be like a disco place because there's like a disco ball on uh one of the ceilings <laughs> what you think it was a disco yeah, place and pete just yeah, like back 
Yeah, back from like the 70s. And like, you know, since the old location burned down, they were like, well, this place is abandoned. Let's just make this a comedy club. Yeah, and just leave the disco ball up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, my uh, my favorite experiences with Vaughn were, uh, were at Water Street in Kent. And uh, I have some of those recordings, and you can instantly pick out Vaughn's laugh. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty fucking funny uh yes yeah i have a pretty weird laugh and i've like noticed uh <laughs> last night that brett thomas has a pretty weird laugh as well yes yes he does i noticed that last night as well <laughs> <laughs> you can pick and carter and yeah you can yeah, pick carter it, you as can, well you can pick out your guys's laugh like out of the crowd man it's it's funny uh like like bill's bill's jokes that that Vaughn really liked last night got two separate laughs from me because they got the first one from the joke and then the second one from Vaughn's laughter of the joke. That <laughs> 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 was pretty great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's how you know you've been doing comedy with somebody a long time. You can just recognize where they're at in the audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of those Water Street audios where you can where you can only hear, you can like only hear Vaughn and Carter over over everybody else it's pretty funny yeah so uh what what like really made you want to do comedy Vaughn? um i wanted to do a lot i always want to do something like creative with my life i have always had an interest in acting and for a while i wanted to be a cartoonist because i was you know watching like the simpsons and family guy and king of the hill and futurama and all these adult swim shows and i really like them and um I, and i'm a decent drawer that i'm not that bad but i am getting out of like really wanting to be a cartoonist and like through like watching all those shows that kind of got me into comedy and um i eventually decided like in my mind like i kind of want to do stamp comedy by like seventh grade i believe eighth grade um first person i got me into stamp comedy is not not the best person to mention. Um, it's Dane Cook. Yeah. Yeah. Dane, um, Dane Cook was Dane Cook was good in his day, though. I mean, he was. Yeah, he's he's not that bad. He's not yeah, as bad as not. some local comics I've seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Vaughn, last week, you know, Vaughn, Vaughn, uh, Vaughn says some unexpected things sometimes. And uh, last weekend, I was talking to him at Funny Stop, and he asked me like a super deep question that I did not ever think about before. He uh, asked me what my five-year plan was with comedy. And I was like, fuck, I don't have one. You know? <laughs> and uh, so Vaughn, why don't, why don't you tell us real quick, what's your five-year plan <laughs> with comedy? Well, one of the years have gone by already. So it's four years now okay. for myself. <laughs> but, um, I eventually want to move out to L.A. to uh, get into uh, television writing and acting as well, because besides doing stamp comedy, I also want to like write for television and and act in uh, things as well. Yeah, that's I mean, if you want to do that, L.A. is definitely the place. Oh, yeah. And yeah, also, like yeah. a lot of my heroes have like written for television shows and acted in things and also pays the bills because, you know, it's very hard to get income from stand-up only right definitely right. is um i i thought about i thought about it with me and i guess i guess for my like my five-year goal in comedy is just to just to be a consistently like paid comic 
I mean, that's, yeah. that's, I know I'm not going to make a lot of money doing it, but I just want to be in five years. I want to be getting paid gigs I mean, on, oh, yeah. on the regular. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can really think of. Um, you I've know, only as, gotten four so far as far as, yeah, as far as accomplishments, I, I would say like getting picked for getting picked for, uh, some of the, some of the bigger festivals oh, yeah. like that. I think that would be cool. What about you? Yeah. Brandon? I don't know. I think, uh, it's it's a kind of tough one to put uh, a limit or a, a time limit on, on what you're trying to do as far as stand up goes. With me, I really wasn't. I really didn't think I'd really be able to do stand up or get as far as I have in the amount of time that I have. So it's it's hard to say I want to do this or that in the number of years. And not to mention, I mean, we're going through a, a pandemic right now and still managing to do comedy. It's there's a lot of unforeseen circumstances that are going to pop up probably in the next five years yeah i think my ultimate goal is just to be able to perform with some of the people i respect a lot and you know that that's pretty much what i'm doing now you know there's a lot of people out there i'm thinking like damn i'd love to get on that guy's lineup and then next thing you know that guy's hitting me up for a gig or something and that's the coolest thing in the world to me yeah i mean being able to travel for and get paid to do it would be sweet so i'm up for pretty much anything but yeah, I've always wondered how that goes as far as working as a stand-up comic. I mean, is it always, do you always have to do something else along with stand-up to be able to, you know, to consistently just be a performing stand-up comic and that's it without a day job or anything? Um, I mean, I know, like, I, I don't know if she did other stuff other than stand-up. I know, I know, like, Liz Blanc, I heard, like, quit her job as a teacher to do comedy full-time. So, I mean, it is, I know it is possible, but... Yeah. But uh, I think my other five-year goal is for is for uh, this podcast to have like a hundred listeners at least. That would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to make twenty no, whole yeah. dollars. That's what yeah. I want to do. If this yeah. if this podcast makes twenty dollars, we know we made it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If we if we if we ever get to the point where we can where we can buy a uh, a boom mic arm to put the mics on. That would be that would be like we made it for sure. Mm. Golden, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, well let's uh, let's get into some news a little bit. This is uh, something we like to talk about news every week. What's going on in the world? Um, Ooh, spicy. Yeah, something <laughs> something yeah, going on that so. I think's been a pretty big story lately is the uh, the USPS uh, slowing mail down and uh, mm. yeah the. Uh, Postmaster General was brought in front of Congress a couple of weeks ago and said that he would would quit taking away uh, sorting machines and all that. And then uh, this happened. This is out of ABC News in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You're watching 13 on your side. Topping our news at 5.30, machines were found broken and tossed out near a dumpster at a post office in Grand Rapids. Now local lawmakers are demanding answers. 13 on your side, Sarah Makuda has more on what we know. This is the U.S. Post Office, located at 3500 Patterson Avenue Southeast. They appear to be mail sorting machines, broken and discarded, and piled up around this large dumpster. The power cords appear to have been cut. This comes just one day after Postmaster General DeJoy said actions like these would stop. President of American Postal Workers Union in West Michigan, Amy Pahalski, tells 13 on your side that this machine is a flat sorter, which sorts magazines. She says it is not a letter sorting machine. 
We could not confirm any additional information and will continue to follow up with the USPS. Meanwhile, Senator Gary Peters responded to today's scene like this on Twitter. Quote, this is alarming. PMG DeJoy owes the people of Grand Rapids and Michiganders answers about why sorting machines have been removed and if he will return this equipment vital to getting mail to people in a timely manner. And Democratic candidate Hillary Shulton said, I am alarmed by reports that mail sorting machines are being dismantled as we speak at the Grand Rapids USPS at the order of Postmaster General DeJoy, despite his announcement yesterday that these actions would be suspended. The USPS is an essential institution, and this administration's efforts to undermine it are reprehensible and require urgent action. Sarah Makuda, 13, on your side. Basically said under oath that he would stop doing this and then mm. continued doing it. Um, mm. That's not my biggest concern out of this clip. My biggest concern is I didn't know people from Michigan were called Michiganders. <laughs> I feel terrible for that, as if they don't have enough to deal with already. I mean, Detroit's there. Goddamn. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, Detroitian Michiganders. Is that like the... That's that's just insulting. It is. God Who comes damn, up with these man. names? Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't yeah. understand why they like they went through and cut the power cords and all these machines. Like, you guys really <laughs> were that concerned that somebody was going to, like, come rescue the machine or something like that? Or, like, <laughs> what's the deal with that? Not even that. You can replace the power cord on them. I, I don't understand the point of any of that. Yeah. Mm. It's just concerning to me that, like, you know, people people get their medication through the mail and shit, yeah. you know, and they're going to end up right. slowing down that shit, trying to slow yeah. down, trying to slow down mail and vote voting. Like, it's, I don't know, it's pretty ridiculous, man. I, I never thought I would see, like, a president have so much influence over individual institutions of our government, like the FDA and the USPS and, like, all this different shit. Yeah. It's, it's been crazy. Um, oh yeah, I would think you would have to have some kind of experience in the postal service even to be a U.S. postal general. I'm still trying to figure out who decided DeJoy was going to be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's just caused nothing but problems and delays. And it seemed like in the con congressional hearings, he really didn't know what the hell was going on with the U.S. postal service and didn't really give an explanation as to why these machines were being removed or any of that. Yeah, no, he it seems owned... intentional after a while. He owned a small trucking company, from what I've from what I've heard, um, and he sold his trucking company to XPO, and that's his like experience with shipping, I guess. So, mm. yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. Um, but am I as uh, am I as right up about all this as you guys? It seems. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. That's why we have clips. That's why we have clips. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, people could say as an excuse for this that this was one day after after it happened and uh, that it just didn't, that they might have already taken these machines out before he told them to stop doing it or whatever. But uh, yeah. this report was from a day ago, from uh, one day ago from Miami, ABC News in Miami. Hmm. Debbie Wasserman Schultz not allowed inside a U.S. Postal Service processing facility in Northwest Miami-Dade. That happened this morning. Mail delivery concerns growing all across the country as the USPS prepares for the presidential election. Local 10's Parker Branton standing by in Northwest Miami-Dade where pictures appear to show a mail pileup. Parker, what's happening there? 
Yeah, Eric, good morning. A mail pileup. Male union leaders say some of it is dated as far back as July. Now, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz says that newly appointed U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, along with the Trump administration, is to blame for this mail slowdown. The plant manager has been directed not to come out and tell me what this mysterious protocol is that suddenly is preventing me from being able to come in. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz denied access to a U.S. Postal Service process facility in Northwest Miami-Dade. Pictures taken Thursday by the National Postal Mail Handlers Union show what they say is stacks of mail, some dated July, that still have not been sent out. An alarming sight to the Congresswoman as she says some of it is business mail, while others is medical supplies. Wasserman Schultz says she visited back in February and just gave a day's notice and was able to walk in. But that wasn't the case this morning as she was told indirectly by the plant manager that she did not follow proper protocol and would not be allowed access. So they can whitewash what's going on. And obviously a bigger concern here for most folks is about those mail-in ballots. What exactly will happen with those if they will arrive on time or will they not? Now the Congresswoman is expected to visit another facility this morning to try to basically do the same thing, get a behind the scenes look at what is going on. If she does get access or does not, we'll be sure to keep you updated. You can follow me on social media at Parker WPLG on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the very latest. We're live in Northwest Miami-Dade, Parker Branton, Local 10 News. I wish you guys could have seen that clip because that guy looks exactly what you would picture a guy named Parker Branton would look like. Like, <laughs> wavy blonde hair, about twenty five years old. He's uh, said his big. I like how I like how they talk about. So he's like, he's like the biggest concern is mail in voting. Blah blah blah. No, the biggest concern is the medication. Like, yeah. if, if there's medication, exactly if there's medication there that says July, it's fucking September fourth. Like what? Yeah, we're <laughs> probably dead already. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, there's people don't realize, man, with the USPS, there's people to get their heart medication and all kinds of shit that they desperately Paychecks, need. Yeah. Social security, all sorts of shit like that. It's crazy. I was I even read another article that was uh linked to that one where they were talking about like farmers that were mailing like uh baby chicks and like pet stores that were mailing animals and shit and they just died. They just left them there and Oh I mean, yeah, I saw some, that. It's gotta be some form of animal cruelty, I, I would imagine. Yeah, and like who isn't isn't DeJoy kind of responsible because he's the U.S. Postal, you know, general guy, yeah, the Postmaster General. I always mix that up. This is the first time I think I've ever talked about the Postmaster General. <laughs> right? I don't even, I don't yeah, even know who the hell shouldn't. any other Postmaster General was. Yeah, because you shouldn't. Like they're not no, supposed to be. Smooth. Yeah, they're not supposed to be like a figure out in the forefront of the government. It's just not. Oh, it's crazy. Um. What was his logic like? Well, I see everything's going great. Let me just change that. Like, what? Well, he says... Why are you you fucking with any of it? Well, he says that... So the post office is legitimately in in a lot of debt. So the post office, basically, I can't remember when it was, but there was a a law that was made that um, made the post office basically function like a business. Um. Hmm but they still have to get approval from Congress to change anything, basically. So they're not really run like a business. Um, and they've just no. like, and they've just like done a very bad job of, of uh, finding ways to make a profit. And so they're always, they're always taking losses. 
And it's gotten to the point where these these cuts and shit have been planned for years and years and years, but no postmaster general would ever do it because they didn't want to slow down the mail. So now Mm -hmm. he's claiming that he's just doing something that's been in the works for years, but he's doing it right before an election during a pandemic when people are going to have to mail in votes. Like it's a little conspicuous. Yeah. Suspect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty fucking. I'm going to indirectly kill a bunch of people by you know stopping everything. Yeah, and that's what they don't understand. I don't know. Well, they probably do understand, and they just don't give a fuck. But yeah, I mean, it's there's collateral damage here that like it's not going to be able to be undone. I tear into this DeJoy guy a lot just because he looks creepy. I mean, yes. he already looks like a super villain. Every time I watch a Daredevil, he just reminds me of Wilson Fisk. That's all I can think of. Especially with the guy, the way the guy smiles too. It's like a weird, creepy side smile. I don't know, man. Yeah, getting all that money in to just cover up all the dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, Western society for you. Yeah, I can't believe they're not letting people in there to view the place. I mean, that isn't. I thought the the Congress lady that was going there was uh, part of some committee that was overseeing the post. Uh, yeah, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I mean, she is a U.S. Congresswoman, but I know she is. Uh, she's in the Congressional Oversight Committee, which is in charge of uh, overseeing this investigation on USPS. So, um, she said she gave him a day's notice. There's no reason why she shouldn't have been allowed in to view the facilities. Mm. It's just it's it's nuts that they're able to do this. It just shows you. It, all of this, all of this that's going on, shows us how delicate our democracy is, and the fact that if you have a, if you have a party which we have the Senate, which is held by Republicans that don't want to hold the president accountable, he can basically do whatever he wants. I mean, yeah. that's that's what we're seeing right now, and it's pretty sad. That, that oh, yeah. terrifying! It is, and uh, it's speaking, just something we've never seen before. Yeah, and speaking of the president, we're going to get into uh, something something Trump's in hot water for this week that uh, I don't think he's going to get out of. Real quick, this is from ABC News in L.A. Your vote. Multiple media outlets tonight reporting that President Donald Trump made disparaging comments about America's fallen troops, including calling U.S. Marines killed in World War I, quote, losers and suckers. The reports are spawning nationwide outrage. The president vigorously denies them. Eyewitness News reporter Jory Rand live now with more. Jory. Mark, four years ago, the Access Hollywood tape dropped on October 7th. This time around, it's a month earlier, but this story could have a lasting impact. Also, unlike last time around, as of tonight, there is no tape of this incident, and the president is denying the entire story. You can call it a September surprise. The Atlantic Magazine reporting tonight that back in 2018, President Trump called fallen U.S. soldiers losers and suckers for getting killed in action. The article citing four people with firsthand knowledge of the situation, and tonight both the AP and Washington Post confirming the story. I served on active duty in the military, and I find it absolutely disgraceful for anyone to think that Americans who gave their lives in service to our nation or somehow losers or suckers. Los Angeles Congressman Ted Lieu, a veteran who still serves in the Air Force Reserve, outraged. It is completely unacceptable when these words come from the mouth of the commander-in-chief, and I call on Donald Trump to immediately apologize. Family members of the fallen reacting on social media tonight. One apparent California woman writing, This is my grandfather. He was a Marine who took machine gun fire at Below Wood, 
He was honored by his country and by the people of France. Donald Trump just called him a loser for being wounded in action. And John, listed as being from Orange County, writing, My grandfather lost at sea in World War II. Trump wondered what was in it for him. Tonight, the president returning from a rally in Pennsylvania, denying the story in its entirety from the tarmac of Joint Base Andrews. I would be willing to swear on anything that I never said that about our fallen heroes. There is nobody that respects them more. What animal would say such a thing? Back in 2015, then-candidate Donald Trump said this about then-Senator John McCain, who was a prisoner of war for five years in Vietnam. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? The president's opponent, former Vice President Joe Biden, whose late son Beau was a member of the Army, hitting the president on a number of fronts while speaking in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The words of a president matter. No matter if they're good, bad, or indifferent, they matter. So this story turning into one of those who-do-you-believe stories, the former body man for President Trump tweeting tonight he was with the president the entire day two years ago and never heard the president say anything like this. But the AP talked to a current senior Defense Department official who confirmed the entire story, the Washington Post speaking with a former senior administration official with President Trump who said the president frequently disparaged the military, veterans, and current soldiers and did hear him call them losers. I mean, the military is not going to lie about something like that. I'm sorry. And and like, yeah. and the Atlantic magazine doesn't print bullshit. I mean, they, mm. they got it confirmed or they wouldn't have printed it. Yeah, he said that, you know, he said that about John McCain and yeah. it's like, it's not really surprising he would actually say this. Right. Nobody, yeah. nobody's Isn't like. the grab him by the pussy guy too? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nobody. got a history of saying shit like that. Yeah. And after he said that about John McCain, nobody's like, no, he would never say that. It's like, no, everybody knows it's possible that he said it and he probably did. Yeah. My biggest problem with the whole thing was they called it a September surprise. Like that sounds like a weird <laughs> way to put that. Well, but, it's all right. the 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 like big. Uh, it's a big pundit thing, but the uh, the October surprise is like a big is like a big thing. Like because shit always comes out in October, right before a presidential yeah. election. Um, True, but it, it is kind of a funny wording of it. Um, sounds like a sexual thing <laughs> right yeah yeah uh i don't know and supposedly it's supposedly from what i'm i've been hearing it was john kelly who basically outed him for this mm. and that's come out recently and john kelly has not said a word about it mm. if it wow. yeah if it wasn't true he would deny it i mean yeah. it's it's just didn't it's a, crazy. a Fox News reporter confirm it too, and now he's all up in arms about getting her fired. I Probably I somewhere that that was going on too. That sounds correct. Uh, <laughs> Fox, Fox tried to deny it, and it was their own reporter. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. like Fox. Yeah, uh, so much for uh, Trump's uh, pro-American approach. Yeah, um, Republicans. This is uh, breaking news. Republicans don't own patriotism anymore. That's yeah. why. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I never really bought that uh, Trump really cared about the things he says he believes in because, you know, he's known to flip flop on many issues. Yeah. I mean, it's just like this thing that's happened in the past, like probably, I don't know. I, maybe it's, maybe it happened when, when 9 11 happened and Bush. Uh, spoke to the country all the time and whatnot, and 
And maybe that's when it happened. But at some point, it became the Republicans' own patriotism. And I just never, I never bought it. And never, like, they, they've done the most fucked up shit for this country. I mean, look at Reagan. Yeah. Look at I Reagan. I was just going to go there. Yeah, I was I immediately mean, going to Reagan. I mean, the whole the whole thing is just, it's bullshit. Um, but speaking of uh, Democrats trying to take back patriotism, I'm, I'm going to play this little clip from CNN about Joe Biden, from Joe Biden. Um, just as a caveat, I did edit it a little bit because his his pauses can be a little long. So mm. <laughs> I cut out Jeez. some of the longer ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a little quicker than if you hear it later on TV. Quite frankly, if what is written in the Atlantic is true, it's disgusting. And it affirms what most of us believe to be true. That Donald Trump is not fit to be the job of president, be the commander in chief. The president reportedly said, and I emphasize reportedly said, that those who sign up to serve instead of doing something more lucrative are suckers. Let me be real clear. When my son was an assistant U.S. attorney and he volunteered to go to Kosovo while the war was going on as a civilian, he wasn't a sucker. When my son volunteered and joined the United States military as an attorney general, he went to Iraq for a year, won the Bronze Star and other commendations, he wasn't a sucker. The service men and women he served with, particularly those who did not come home, were not losers. These statements are true. The president should humbly apologize to every gold star mother and father and every blue star family that he's denigrated and insulted. Who the heck does he think he is? <laughs> is <that> true? <laughs> well, we've heard from his own mouth his characterizations of American hero John McCain as a loser in 2015. Donald Trump said he was not a war hero. I like people who weren't captured. Good for him. We're not losers. If these statements are true, and his dismissal of the traumatic brain injury suffered by troops serving in Iraq as mere headaches not too long ago, he stood by, failing, failing to take action, or even raise the issue with Vladimir Putin while the Kremlin puts bounties on the heads of American troops in Afghanistan. It's a sacred duty. And you're tired of hearing me say this. Those you've been covering me for years know. I get in trouble for saying, but I'm going to say it again. We have many obligations as a government. We only have one truly sacred obligation. Equip and support those who we send into harm's way. Care for their families while they're gone and care for them when they are home. That's the only truly sacred obligation the government has. Duty, honor, country. These are values that drive our service members. Just a marker of how deeply President Trump and I disagree. President Trump has demonstrated he has no sense of service, no loyalty to any cause other than himself. If I have the honor of being the next Commander-in-Chief, I will ensure that our American heroes no, I'll have their backs, honor their sacrifice. And those who've been injured will be in military parades. I'm always cautioned not to lose my temper. This may be as close as I've come this campaign. Man, I'm telling you, if Biden had my editing live, he would win at a landslide. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, it's a game changer. Yeah. I... 
I love this though. I I mean I don't I don't love that our president called our troops suckers and losers, but yeah. I fucking love this. I mean this is the latest poll that just came out showed that Joe Biden, a Democrat, is leading among service members. That is unheard of. It's absolutely yeah. rare. Yeah. Service people in active duty service usually usually vote for Republicans, like like yeah. majority of of which do. Uh, I mean, can you blame him though? I mean, this, granted, he was talking about World War One soldiers. That was a long time ago, but it's completely relevant to what's going on today, and it kind of reflects a little more symbolism of how he feels and yeah. kind of a, a giant disrespect of people. And and Joe Joe Biden's right. I mean, you're sending those people to go get shot at. The least you could do is respect him for it. It's something yeah. he would never go do. He dra- he dodged the draft back in the Vietnam days. Fucking yeah, he's President Bones. He's just a sleazy corporate um, narcissist. Yeah. That pretty comes off that way when he says shit like that. And it makes me feel better to know that Biden would never say anything along the lines of grab him by the pussy because he won't even say hell when he's he's (laughs) talking. I was saying that too. I was like, man. Yeah. I was like, Trump would have just said, Trump would have just said, who the fuck does he think he is? Oh man! He's like, I'm close to losing my temper, and I'm like, dude, damn, he won't even say pissed off or anything. Yeah, do we have Come any on, Joe dropping f bomb? Do you have any doubt, any doubt in your mind that Joe Biden, at his age, could still beat the shit out of Donald Trump? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind. The guy, I mean, the guy still runs and shit. Like, I don't, I don't know. He's 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 a tough guy. People people that. Bash Joe Biden. You're, you're fucking making people vote for Trump. Just shut the fuck up. You know, I mean, yeah. dude, I kind of wanted to see John McCain throw hands with him back in the day. I mean, I thought when he was talking shit about John, I was like, John, John could probably kill you. I, I don't yeah, think I'd yeah. be saying that shit about him. Does anybody? I mean, does anybody really? Anybody really like that? Any liberals that are listening to this podcast, which I'm sure that's all that's listening to this podcast. Um, By now, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. I understand that you don't love Joe Biden, but do you really want to live through four more years of this bullshit? I mean, yeah. this I'm is not even the most... anti-Republican all the way, but I mean, when you look at just general actions of, of Donald Trump and the things he said and the way he is as a person, I think it just casts a really big shadow on you know future kids growing up, and they're, they're going to see a president saying these kind of things and acting this kind of way. It sets a terrible example. Yeah, I yeah. would never want my kid to say it's okay to grab a woman by the pussy. I would yeah. beat the shit out of my kids for saying <laughs> something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we have I, one, we have one story I, real quick that we have to get to. That's not, that's not political. Um, I just thought this was the weirdest story of the week. I don't know. It, it's, I thought it was funny. We'll play this <laughs> from, uh, this is from Reuters. Daredevil David Blaine performed his latest stunt on Wednesday when he ascended nearly 25,000 feet into the Arizona sky while hanging from a cluster of jumbo-sized helium balloons before parachuting safely back to Earth. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. Blaine was gently lifted off from a desert airstrip in Page, Arizona, connected to dozens of balloons. The so-called extreme performer began his journey at around 7.30 a.m. local time. 
gradually dropping small weights to speed up his ascent. Blame donned a parachute mid-flight and strapped on an oxygen mask as he neared 24,900 feet. 47-year-old Blaine has a history of performing high-profile and high-risk feats of endurance. His stunts, including locking himself in a fishbowl, trapping himself in a block of ice for two days in Times Square, and standing freely atop a thin, tall pillar for 35 hours in New York City. Wednesday's stunt lasted roughly 30 minutes, reaching an altitude slightly higher than Mount Everest. Blaine released himself from the balloon cluster and went into freefall for some 30 seconds before deploying a parachute to slow his descent. Wow! <laughs> that was awesome! So, I will post a picture of this in the show notes. Um, it is insane. I mean, he is, he is literally just holding, like, the biggest bundle of balloons I've ever seen in my life. I've heard of social distancing, but damn. Dude. That's that's one way to do it. And it's and this dude is so fucked up. Like I think it was his daughter that he was saying bye to at the beginning of the clip. Like Oh my god. Yeah, like what like what if he like what if he fucking his parachute didn't open? Yeah, what if his, something went wrong? I yeah, mean, and his like six yeah. year old daughter sitting there just watching her dad fall from the sky and splat. Or worse, what what if she got hit by one of the weights he was releasing? Like I hope he at least like cleared the area <laughs> yeah. and made sure, you know. <laughs> Some yeah, guy's just walking down the street and gets hit by like a nine pound weight or something like that. Yeah, I wonder if like all the people, all the people down below are like looking up and they're like, oh fuck, it's coming at us. <laughs> oh man, I, I, I just thought what that happened was funny. with magic, dude. Like magic used to be card tricks and and pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah, and now some guy's holding so many balloons that he makes it to a higher altitude than Mount Everest. What <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um. There is, I can't remember what the hell they are called. Um, they're super old, but there are these fake David Blaine videos on the internet. Um, God, I can't remember what the hell it was. Yeah, it was called David Blaine Street Magic. Oh, I remember those. Those were tight. <laughs> they are so funny. If you haven't seen them, uh, definitely look those up on YouTube. It's a way cooler Chris Angel style thing. That's yeah. kind of the way I think of it. Yeah, and it's this guy like it's this guy pretending to be David Blaine, and it is fucking hilarious. I I will say. Um, but let's get to our uh, let's get to our comedian uh, Vaughn. You chose Stephen Wright. Um, yes, and I will say that if anybody has not seen Vaughn Wesley do comedy, you have to see him. But if you have seen him, it's very apparent that he has been influenced by Stephen Wright. Um, how, how do you think Stephen Wright influenced your comedy, Vaughn? Um, him and, uh, he, um, how, how should I put it? He taught me how to, like, write jokes, basically. Not, like, directly, but just how to put them in the formula and how to do them correctly, if that makes sense, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, it uh, definitely does. Um, you could definitely see in your mannerisms the way the way you deliver jokes and everything. It's kind of, it reminds me a lot of the way Stephen Wright would would handle jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, Hedberg is also a big influence on me as well. Yeah, definitely. that's my favorite. He was he was on our uh, first episode of the podcast, actually. Ah, awesome. Yeah, we'll go ahead and play this clip that you gave us, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Um, this is. 
his first appearance on The Tonight Show in 1982, and I wanted to include um, the end, which we'll talk about afterwards, but it's him basically talking to Johnny Carson. Uh, All right. Go ahead and play this. Boston, it is first first appearance on national television, and uh, I think you're going to find him a little different. Would you welcome Stephen Wright? One time, right in the middle of a job interview, I took out a book and I started reading. The guy said, what the hell are you doing? I said, let me ask you one question. If you were in a vehicle and you were traveling at the speed of light, and then you turned your lights on, would they do anything? (laughs) He said, I don't know. I said, forget it then. I don't want to work for you. <laughs> I've never seen electricity. That's why I don't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I write right on the bill. Sorry, I haven't seen it all month. Well, nights ago, I came home very late, and I was having a little bit of trouble getting into my apartment, and I accidentally took out a car key, and I stuck it into the door and turned it, and the building started up. (laughs) So I drove it around for a while. I went too fast, and the police pulled me over. They said, where do you live? I said, right here. (laughs) Then I parked it in the middle of a highway, and I ran out the front door and yelled at all the cars to get the hell out of my driveway. It's a good apartment building to live in, though, because they allow pets. I have a pony. (laughs) I have a Shetland pony named Nicky. And last summer, he was involved in a bizarre electrolysis accident. (laughs) All the hair was removed except for the tail. Now I rent him out to Hare Krishna family picnics. small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. (laughs) One time I went to the drive-in in in a cab. (laughs) Movie cost me $95. (laughs) I went to court for a parking ticket. I pleaded insanity. <laughs> About four years ago, I. No, it was yesterday. <laughs> I couldn't sleep, so I got up. Then I got hungry, so I went down to this store that I know is open 24 hours. When I got down there, there was a guy outside locking it up. He said, sorry, we're closed. I said, what do you mean you're closed? The sign says open 24 hours. He said, not in a row. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you, Stephen. How's it going? Wonderful. Did they uh, just let you out for this evening? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
That's wonderfully inventive stuff. Thanks. Really? Is this your first time on first national time television? On national television, yes. Yeah. How do you how do, how do you feel about it? Uh what? I'm in shock. Did it do I'm did it sure. go the way you thought it would go? Yeah, it, it's it's uh yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of comedians don't come out of Boston. No, there's uh there's a lot of good ones there and they'll they're uh <laughs> They're with me right now in my head. <laughs> <laughs> where, do you, where do you work in Boston? I work at uh, the Comedy Connection and Constant Comedy, which is in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah. And that's where uh, Peter LaSalle saw me, who that's right, exactly. got me here. And uh, he saw me. He didn't say anything, but three weeks later, the phone rang, and he said, how'd you like to do The Tonight Show? And I said... Uh, you have the wrong number. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to tell people a little bit about that clip. So, uh, so for for the people that don't know, like the history of comedy, basically Carson was it back in the day. It was on the Tonight Show. If you got the Tonight Show, that was your big break. It could either make you or break you. Um, if you did well. He invited you over to the couch. That was the sign that you made it. If you got the couch, you usually your comedy career usually took off after that. Um, and that was Stephen Wright's first time. He got invited over to the couch, and he was so fucking nervous that he literally like just couldn't talk during that interview. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty crazy because you realize how much of a how big of a moment that was for oh, somebody yeah. in their life and he wasn't that vocal of a speaker yeah. anyways you know like it's just it's crazy to see and his jokes were so smart like like that first joke about the speed of light i mean i know there were people in the audience that didn't get the joke yeah and laughed anyways because i had to look it up to see what would actually happen if you turned on your headlights when you're traveling at the speed of the light, and it is yeah. super fucking confusing. Like I still don't know what the fuck happened. Like it is. Su- I'll put I'll put the uh, question. I'll put the website I got to in the show notes if people want to read it. But yeah. Stephen Wright will never he, work for you, John. Dude, it, yeah. I mean, he um he pretty much revolutionized how you could do one-liners. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, um, he him and uh, Emo Phillips were pretty big, like, big pushers of, like, you know, the weirdo one-liner kind of comic yeah. with, like, you know, witty and surreal jokes and that are also subtle. Yeah, and I think every time I've ever watched a Stephen Wright clip, like, there's been a little bit of it that I didn't understand. Like, yeah. like you know, I mean, because maybe it was just, like, dated references or... yeah. Like the Henry uh, Kissinger uh, one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I looked him up. Harry Kushner. He was uh, he was a progressive Jewish rabbi. I guess I don't oh. know. He must have been in a the really news. Specific reference. Yeah, he must have been in the news at that time or something. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm even a fan of his his simpler jokes that are. I mean, I don't want to say stupid because it sounds you know negative, but like 
Like the one about starting his house up and driving it around. Like that is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is such a weird joke, and I cannot explain why I like it so much. But it's just a funny <laughs> joke. There's no way around that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's why it reminds me of. That's why Vaughn reminds me of him so much because Vaughn has those jokes where I'm just like, wait, what? And then <laughs> you know, and, the, and, the, and then I just see him up there like smiling, looking around. And it makes me fucking laugh. It doesn't matter if I get the joke or not. I'm still laughing. Yeah, Vaughn, yeah. Vaughn make eye contact with you until you get the joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, a lot of, uh, you know, like Stephen Wright and Emo Phillips and Mitch Hedberg, if you think about it, their, their comedy has a lot of similarities uh, to British comedy. Yeah. Like, you know, British comedy is witty, subtle, surreal. Uh, it can be very dark at times. It's very sophisticated in the way I should say yeah that's right man i uh yeah i definitely uh recommend recommend watching more stephen wright and uh definitely recommend going to see von wesley at uh the matinee this tuesday right oh yeah should be there hopefully there's a crowd yeah yeah, yeah. go to the Been matinee tuesday. Yeah. yeah yeah um i'll be at garage bar and will it be on tuesday um brandon you got any shows coming up I'll be back at uh, Grindstone Tap House on Friday and the funny stop this Wednesday for the semifinals, I believe. I have to double check. I'm pretty sure it's this Wednesday. Cool. Hopefully I don't have to go into work early again so I can come up the funny stop on Wednesday for that. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's about it. Let's wrap up. Vaughn, uh, tell people where they can follow you on social media. Uh, hmm. Follow me on Facebook, just <laughs> Vaughn Wesley, uh, Instagram, uh, I think it's just B A U G W E S L E Y. That's I think that's just my Instagram, and then I have like a other one that's like you really don't have to follow it. I just post like memes on there and all that. <laughs> all right. Simplify your social media, Vaughn. God damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I should have wrote a I should have wrote a book. Should have had like a booklet of my social medias here because <laughs> yeah. Just send them to me, and I'll put them in the show notes, and people can look at them if they want. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. my YouTube account is Vaughn Wesley. It's very easy to find, uh, like, really one of the only ones on there. Cool, cool. You can follow me at John Brown Comedy and Brandon. Um, you can follow me at uh, Brandon Petrie Comedy on Facebook, uh, Petrified Comedy on Twitter, and I believe Instagram is also Petrified Comedy. Uh, I actually just made a LinkedIn for for a class I'm taking at Tri-C. I don't think comics really do that, but I've been having a blast. People are like, oh, I just landed this crazy deal from this new account. And I'm like, I just told a rape joke and it went great in the bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's pretty rough, man. All my other friends are on there wearing like suits and ties and I'm wearing like a jean jacket at some bar while some guy's giving me a finger or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, yeah. Yeah, follow Brandon on LinkedIn. Yeah, please do. (laughs) All right. Have a good week, everybody. The Brown Petri Dish is created by John Brown and Brandon Petrie. The outro and intro music created by Jared Bailey. Thanks for listening, everybody.